Okay, we are in Second uh, Peter chapter three. We're going to look at uh, these eighteen verses today, and then we're gonna, that means we're going to wrap up Second Peter, and then next week we'll be in Jude, the Epistle of Jude. So we've looked at a lot already. We've looked at in Second Peter, Peter really reminding them of who they are in Christ, the enablement that God has given them, the Word of God, and its importance in their life. And then he warns them, chapter 2 is a good chapter for you to read because he's warning them concerning false teachers and the reality of false teachers and how false teachers will rob you. And when he talked about false teachers, he wasn't just talking about their doctrine, but talking about their, their lifestyle. So now we're going to get into where he's going to get back into another discussion, and that's our focus on the future. He's going to talk about the hope of the Lord's return. So let's look, first of all, to verses 1 through 9 and see the call to remembrance. Beloved, I now write to you this second epistle, in both of which I stirred up your pure minds by way of reminder, that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us and the apostles of the Lord and Savior, knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lusts, and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this they willingly forget, that by the word of the Lord the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of water and in the water, and by which the world that then existed perished, being flooded with water. But the heavens and the earth which are now preserved by the same word, are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But, beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that we should come to repentance." Okay, first of all, let's notice the call to remember it. So he's going to talk about the purpose of his letter here. Paul is writing them to stimulate their pure minds with reminders. Have you noticed how many of you have been in church a long time? I mean, if you look at your life, you could say, yeah, I've been in church a long, long time. Raise your hand. A lot of us have. And have you noticed there's nothing new in the teaching? Have you noticed that? It just seems to be repetition all the time. It's just the same old thing over and over and over again. Have you noticed that? Am I the only one? I mean, I'm the one who preaches and teaches, and I know that I'm constantly bringing the same kind of themes over and over again. And, and there basically is the same stuff over and over again. Is it not true? Have you noticed that, that it just seems to be repetition? Maybe a little bit difference in the message, but the truths are the same. Have you noticed that? Now, there's a reason why. Christianity is not... A whole bunch of new things where you've got new, 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 new stuff. Christianity is a set of truths, truth that is constant, where you're constantly being reminded of the same truths over and over and over and over again. And why do you think that is? Why do you think we have to be constantly reminded? Okay, the key to growth is repetition is what Bruce said. What did you say, Tom? Okay, we tend to forget, all right? We tend to forget... So, we need to be constantly reminded 
Okay, you may not grasp the truth the first time, but then sometimes later on you will. Okay, so give me a good, a good example would be reading your Bible. How many of you, obviously you read your Bibles, hopefully you read your Bibles, and when you read through, let's say, John the first time, the second time you read through it, something else stood out to you that you didn't see the first time. How many of you have had that happen? You know, I read through the Bible a lot, and every time I read through it, I see something new and the same stuff I read before, and it's like, why didn't I catch it then? So it's living, it's, it's constant, but it's something that we need to be continually reminded of because, and I think the key thing is what Tom said, that we have a tendency to forget. So let's stop for a moment. Another thing that we constantly must remind ourselves of is the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. Is it easy for us to forget about the cross? Is it? Yeah, it is. It's easy for us to forget about the sacrifice of Jesus on our behalf and the change that took place. So he gives us things to remind us of the cross. So for one thing he gives us is the Lord's table. But when we do that, we are reminded that somebody died for us that we might have salvation. That without salvation, where would we be heading? Hell. Okay, let me just stop for a moment. That's a quick, easy answer for us to give is that we remind ourselves that we were going to hell. But how many of you really thought about that? How many of you have really sat back and thought about, you know, if it wasn't for Jesus, I'd be going to hell. If it wasn't for Jesus, I would be going to hell. How many of you have thought about that? Have you really thought about it? Because listen, when you really think about it, what does that do to you? Okay, did you hear what Bruce said? It brings you to tears when you think about what he had to suffer so that you don't suffer. See, it has to grip you. So like, for instance, I was listening to a message yesterday. I was getting some things ready for church today. And I had to correct something that I was getting ready for church today. And so I was listening to a message while I was doing it. And the, and the pastor, the issue came up about having the gospel in every message. And is that important? And you know, the gospel needs to be in every message, pointing to the cross in every message, not just for unbelievers. The gospel has to be there for you and I in every message to remind us of the sacrifice that Jesus made for us because why? Will we forget it? Will we forget it? Yes. In fact, here's what, here's what will happen. You can become complacent with it. You can get so used to it that it doesn't stir your heart anymore. The gratefulness to God is gone. You just know it's taken care of. Heaven bound, I'm coming. But the reality of what had somebody had to do for you to and to, where, where your true destiny belonged, does everybody understand we are children of wrath. We rightly deserve to die because of our sin. See, that's what I'm saying is missing. And this is what Peter is trying to say. He's, trying, he's writing them to stimulate their minds by reminding them of some things. And when we go through this, because we're going to talk about the Lord's return, you and I need to be reminded of some things, especially in light of the world in which we live in, which will help get things back into focus. Because is it easy for you in your Christian life to get things out of focus? Big time. It's really easy to get out of focus in your Christian life. So he's writing them to stimulate their minds with reminders. Now here's the object of, his, of remembrance. Here's, here's what he's wanting them to be reminded of. He wants to remind them of the Old and New Testament Scriptures. Look with me at verse 2. Notice what he says, that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandments of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. So what's he talking about? The holy prophets before, who were they? The Old Testament 
And then the commandments of the apostles. What's that? The New Testament. Okay, so he wants them to remember those things. Now, here's the reason why he wants you to remember it, because there is a reality out there. We've already talked about it before. The reality is, is that there are what? False teachers. Here in this passage now, he's going to refer to them as scoffers. So I want you to notice verse 3. Here's what he says. In the last days, scoffers will arise who are driven by their lusts. Scoffers will arise who are driven by their lusts. Look with me at verse 3. Notice what it says. Knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days walking according to their own lusts. Here's what I want you to understand. And remember what I said to you. The biggest threat to the church is not outside the church, but where? Inside the church. And they will come up from amidst the church. Now here's the thing. You have to be so careful, even with the books you read. How many of you love to read books? How many of you love to read Christian books? You get Christian books and you love to read Christian books. Now, here's what I want you to understand. You've got to be so careful because nobody's going to come right out and tell you something wrong. But here's what they'll do. They'll phrase a question in such a way that causes you to begin to what? Doubt. They'll phrase a question in a book. They won't come right out, but they'll phrase a question in the book that will cause you to begin to doubt what you believe. They begin to doubt the promises of God. You understand? And, and they wear the mantle of evangelical. They wear the mantle of Bible-believing. They, they go to the right schools. In fact, it's interesting. There's, there's a theologian right now. If you read his early works, they're right on. When it comes to the inerrancy of Scripture and all those things, he's right on. But over the years, he has drifted so much now that he doesn't believe in hell. He doesn't believe... He's almost embracing universalism, that everybody will be saved. So what happened? Somewhere along the line, he drifted. And he's not right, and so he's propagating a false, what? Doctrine, teaching. And guess who's reading him? Christians. And they're not even aware of it. And so, here's what I'm trying to say. There are influences out there, and so you need to be aware that in the last days, scoffers will arrive, and what drives them... Listen, let me just stop for a moment. When we talk about the word lust here, we're not just talking about sexual lust. What we're talking about here is that they're driven by their desires. Because you can lust for power, can you not? You can lust for fame and prominence. You can lust for a whole lot of other things. Some of you lust for chocolate, right? Do you know what I'm saying? Here's what I want you to see. The presence of the scoffers. Now, their accusation is this. This is the primary thing. And watch what happens, because this is even true in our community here. Here's what they do. They will point out the promise of the second coming has not been fulfilled. They'll say, well, you know, hey, Jesus, yeah, I believe Jesus ascended to heaven. And, yeah, you know, he he said that he'd come back. But, you know, it's been 2,000 years. You know, it's it's been 2,000 years. I mean... Come on. Yeah, he died for my sins, but you see what I'm saying? They're starting to cast doubt on the reality of his return. It's like, you don't really believe that thing about a thousand-year kingdom, do you? You know, or, or even, here's one, it's already happened. It's already happened. Happened a long time ago. He's already come back. You know, have you heard that kind of stuff? You know, it's already happened. And, and the problem is, listen to me, I want you to understand something. What are they doing when you listen to them? What are, what are they creating in your mind? Doubt. You're thinking, oh, oh, yeah, man, holy cow. Yeah, that's been 2,000 years. Maybe. Come on now. 
I mean, everything else happened quicker than that. Really? Did it really? I mean, think about it. Let's do an Old Testament study for a moment. When Adam and Eve were cursed and the serpent were cursed, God said something. He made a prophetic statement there that something about her seed, her seed would what? Crush the head of Satan. And that Satan would what? Bruise his heel. Who was that prophecy concerning? Jesus. How many thousands of years before Jesus came did that happen? You see my point? See, we're, we're used to... I mean, the other day we were at a McDonald's up in Erie. And I'm used to, okay, order it, get it done. I mean, and it was like forever. Forever. You know, I, I don't want to go into it. But I mean, it was bad. And, and you're trying to be patient. And my wife says to me, we've got to be a good testimony. Yep, we do. And we're trying to be, trying to be nice and everything. And, but it was forever. Longer than it needed to be. Just to get your order. I mean, how many of you have patience for that? Only one. Two. Most, it's hard. Yes, it is. You see, we're geared that way, aren't we? So when we hear about Jesus' promise to come back, that makes it very difficult for us. And so the scoffers come and they start... So we're already struggling with the time issue, aren't we? Aren't we? And listen, let me just stop for a moment. How many of you like what's going on in the world around you? And so you hear a lot of people make comments like, man, the Lord is returning. The Lord is returning. They were saying that in World War II. So what happens is, is you're anticipating His returning. You've got to be coming back, Lord. It's getting bad. But then the scoffer comes and says, hey, you know, I, you know Jesus, all right, Jesus. But, hey, it has been 2,000 years. What, just a simple word will stir what up in your mind. Again, the word is what? Doubt. You'll begin to question. And listen, when you begin to question one part of the Scripture, you'll start questioning what? Other parts of the Scripture. You'll begin to start questioning whether the other things that he says are true. So, let's go on now. Here's what the, They have forgotten God's Word created and brought judgment. Here's what these scoffers are doing. They're forgetting something when they scoff. They're forgetting that the very word that said he would come back is the very word that spoke creation into existence. It's the very word that brought judgment. Does everybody understand me? They're forgetting something here. They're forgetting that God's word is true no matter when it gets fulfilled. Period. So they're forgetting that. So then look at verses 7 through 9. And really, this is the key one. This, this is a great passage here because it talks about God's timing. Now, all of us need to understand God's timing, don't we? Because is God's timing like our timing? No. So, I want you to read what it says here. Let's kind of go through it. But the heavens and earth, which are now preserved by the same word, are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But, beloved, do not forget this one thing that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as a one day. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. First of all, let's talk about the future of the world. Remember, He's got to remind us of some things. He's got to remind us of some things, remember? Because it's so easy for us to get off track and get out of focus, so He's going to put into perspective the world in which we live in. 
The heavens and earth, as we know it, are reserved for judgment. All right, let's stop for a moment. The heavens and earth as you know it. I think everybody here, I think most of you here are from from this section of Pennsylvania. Is that right? This is where you're originally from, right? Except for me. I'm the outsider. All right. So as you think about the hills here and the oaks and the, the hardwoods and the falls that you have here and, this, and the hills, and, and it's beautiful, isn't it? It really is. And, and the animals, even though they mess up your car, you know, when you're, you know, and they're there. I mean, it's beautiful, right? And, and, and you really love this area, don't you? You love this area, and you and and you think about how many of you you know I don't want to ask this question because you may not love the house you're in, but how many of you just you you want to improve the place in, and your focus is on just your life here? Don't raise your hand, but think about that for a moment. Now here's the problem: Peter is reminding us that this world and the heavens are reserved for what judgment. It's going to burn up. They're not going to exist anymore. Kerbinsville, Clearfield, Hyde are not going to be the same. What you see here is going to be gone one day. Burned up in the judgment of God. So if you realize that, what should that do to your perspective when you're reminded that this world in which we live in is going to be burned up? When you think about all the great monuments that men have erected to themselves, even the monuments that countries have erected to themselves, they're all going to be what? They're all going to be gone. Now, okay, now let me. Okay, we've got that in perspective. What does that mean? Let's put the practical application there. What does that mean to you and I? There, if we understand that, what does that mean? Only what's done for Christ will last. So, where should our perspective be? Now, nothing lasts forever. Okay, Bruce said it over here, but I'm going to wait for somebody else to say it. What should our perspective be? We need to focus more on Christ. Is what Diane said. Okay, and heaven is what Bruce said. We need to quit focusing on here and begin to focus later on. Because how many of you know how long you're going to live? We don't, do we? You know, and I, and you realize that really, I mean, early on, don't you? you? I mean, you think about, you know of friends or relatives that died early, tragically. So where should our perspective be? Not here, but there. But where does our perspective tend to be, though? Here. Why? Because we lose focus. And that's the reason why Peter says that we need to be what? Reminded. We need to be reminded continually where our focus needs to be. What's important? Here, I told you I was in Erie. We were at Waldemere with the kids. And I was walking around, and I'm an observer of people. Okay, so I'm walking around, and I'm noticing something as as people are walking around. I'm the only dude here who doesn't have a tattoo. How many of you noticed that? I was. Everybody. I'm I'm exaggerating a little bit. But I would say a significant majority of people had tattoos. I mean, some were nice looking. Some were just plain ugly looking. Some were faded out, whatever. But a significant number of people had tattoos. Another thing I noticed was is a significant number of guys and gals had what? Earrings. And I'm not talking about just a little stud. I'm talking about something where it stretches out, look like something from Africa. You know what I'm saying? And, 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 and it's like, wow, or New Guinea or something. And so the, here's the impression that came upon me. This is why you're here. This is why you're here. 
Somebody has to reach those people. You're not here for you. I saved you for a purpose. To be my voice to these people. They're going to hell, George. If they don't know Jesus, they're going to hell. You know what? The people who were walking around there in Erie that day at Waldemere are no different than the people who walk around here in Clearfield County. Just go to Walmart and look. Yeah, look at your neighbors. Yeah. Yeah, you don't even have to go that far. I mean, that's eight miles out of the way is too far, right? You just need to look around you. That's exactly right, Tom. Here's, here's my point. The world we live in is going to burn up. But where's our focus, guys? Where's our focus? Let's be honest. Right here. Right here with what we want. And let's remind ourselves, it's not about us. So let's go on then. Here's the point. So he talks about God and time. Now here's the thing with God and time. God's timing is not our timing. Verse 8, I mean, you can't... I mean, one day to the Lord is as a thousand years, a thousand years is as a day to Him. God exists outside of time. Now we don't like that verse. Because when we're praying, we're praying, God, I want you to do this now, not a thousand years from now. Isn't that right? And so we lack patience. The reason why we lack patience is because we don't understand God's timing. And is God ever late? It's not early either. You know, a day is, is a thousand years to the Lord, but a thousand years is a day. The point I want you to see is God's timing is not our timing. God's timing is not our timing. It's not our timing. You've got to understand that. So here you are, you're praying. How many of you have been praying for loved ones to get saved for a long time? All of us have, haven't we? And what's the natural feeling when you've been praying for so long and you have not even seen one iota of an interest? You just want to what? Give it up. Why? Bruce just said it. God must not be listening to me. How many of you feel that way? Let's be honest. I mean, we feel that way, don't we? Listen, I want you to understand something. His timing's not our timing. Let me give you the story of George Mueller. George Mueller, how many of you remember the story of George Mueller? You know, in great faith, had all the orphanages in England and so forth. And one of the things about George Mueller was is he had a list of 72 people that he prayed for their salvation. And all the years, he had a list of 72 people. And one by one, they came to know Jesus Christ. And then he died. And there was one name left. A few years after Mueller died, that man came to Christ too. You don't give up praying. See, you've got to be reminded that God's timing is not your timing. Because the scoffer will come, the enemy will come, and he'll whisper to you, what's the use of praying? You've been praying for so long, nothing's changing. They're not even interested. If anything, they're becoming more antagonistic. What's the use? And you're sitting there and you're thinking, you know, what is the use? It's natural, isn't it? Because what happens is, is we begin to question who? God. We begin to question the faithfulness of God. God's timing is not our own. Here's, here's what I want you to see. God is not delaying the fulfillment of His promise. This is what I want you to see here. God is not delaying the fulfillment of His promise. How many of you want Jesus to come back? How many of you want Him to come back? Raise your hand. Everybody, we want Him to come back, right? It's like, Jesus, come back. This, I mean, this world is getting bad. Jesus, we want you to come back. But 
But the scoffer will come and say, well, he obviously isn't coming. But see, God is not delaying the fulfillment of his promise. Here's what Peter is saying. God's patience allows the lost to find salvation. It is, it is because God wants people to come to know Jesus. Because do you understand, when he comes back, and if somebody doesn't know Jesus Christ, what's going to happen to them? Judgment. Hell. Do you realize that? See, it's a struggle, isn't it? How many of you have unsaved loved ones? We all do, right? How many of you want to see them come to know Jesus Christ? We all do, right? How many of you want Jesus to come back? We all do. See the struggle there? We want our, we want our loved ones to come to Christ. We want them to walk with Him. But we also want Jesus to come back. But it's like, well, wait a minute now. Ho, 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 ho. Lord, while you're delaying, work in their hearts. See, He's willing that none should perish. So when somebody says to you, well, it's been 2,000 years, what I look and say is, that's how great His love is. That's how great His patience is. How many of you have that kind of patience? 2,000 year patience. Do you know what I mean? Better yet, we've only been in existence for 6,000. I forget the million billion stuff. 6,000 years. How many of you have 6,000 year patience? We don't have that much patience. Do you understand what I'm saying? God does. Why? Because He wants people to come to know Jesus Christ. Do you understand? He's willing that none should perish. He allows the lost to find salvation. So then notice something. We're going to look at verses 10 through 13 now. The day of the Lord. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt away with fervent heat? Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth which is in which righteousness dwells. Okay, here's notice something, the day of the Lord. First of all, the coming of the, Jesus Christ will happen suddenly. We already know that. It's going to happen suddenly. And again, he's making a point here. He's going to remind you, Jesus will come suddenly. You're not going to have time to worry about it. It's going to happen. But then here's what he says. The world as we know it will cease to exist. This world as you know it will be gone. It will be gone. It will cease to exist. It will all pass away. Now, with that, you and I need to have a proper mindset. So he's going to remind us of what our mindset needs to be. So you and I have to keep things in perspective. Here's what he's saying. Because the world is headed to this end, we must be mindful of how we live. What? Because the world is headed to an end where it's all going to dissolve, it's all going to be burned up, it's all going to be judged, you and I need to be mindful, that is, we need to think about the way that we live our lives. 
So we need to think about how we talk to each other. We need to think about how we act towards each other. We need to think about our thought life. We need to think about the things that we struggle with. We need to think about the way that we live our lives because it's all going to head to judgment. It's all pointing to something. It's all pointing to the fact that humanity is going to stand before who? Jesus. And listen, my friends, can I be honest with you? You and I are going to stand before Jesus. We say, I'm saved. I'm okay. No, yeah, I understand that, but you still got to give an account. You still got to give an account. You still got to answer for things. You still got to, you still got to give an account for the way you live your life. And, and I was just reading this. In my devotional time, I've been reading through Matthew. And I was just reading this where Jesus very clearly says to them, because of the way the Pharisees were talking, he says, every idle word will be brought into account. How many of you have ever said something stupid? And how many of you wished you could have taken it back? I mean, how many of you have ever said something in the heat of anger that you wished that you had never said? All of us, right? All of that's going to be brought up. Ooh, isn't that bad? Yeah, do you see what I'm saying? Here's what I'm trying to say. So if we understand that our life is going towards that judgment, shouldn't we be mindful of how we live our lives? Shouldn't we? Here's what happens, guys. This is not reflective of our culture. Our culture is oftentimes reflective of our human nature. Our human nature tends to think that we are not accountable. And what the Bible points out to us is that we are accountable. And our lives are accountable for our actions. We are accountable in some way. And here's the other. We must be watchful for the coming of the Lord is what he's saying here. We must be watchful for the coming of the Lord. You need to live your lives in anticipation that Jesus is coming back. Now here you say, well, well man, it's been 2,000 years. What if he takes another 2,000 years? That's fine. You still need to be watchful. Why? Because even if he takes another 2,000 years, you don't know how long you're going to live. And you don't know if today is going to be your last day on earth and then you're going to stand before the great king. Do you understand what I'm saying? So you have to be watchful, living your life in anticipation of his coming. So how many of you... A lot of us have kids here, and when you have company coming over, have you noticed your kid, my kids do this? Do your kids do this? They're when they're young, especially they're excited about company coming over. How many of you had kids? And so they know that somebody's coming, especially if it's a grandma or grandpa. And so here's what they do: they're always looking out what the window, or they'll go out if it isn't raining outside or snowing. They'll go out and hang out at the end of the driveway and look up the road. Have you noticed they do that? How many of you have seen your kids do that kind of stuff? They look at the end of the road, waiting for, for somebody to come. Or if it's dark, there's a set of headlights. Because they're anticipating, they're living their life in, in anxiousness for the company to come. Oh, here they are! Here they are! That's the kind of thing we're, we're to live our lives in. You understand? We're to be like little children. Looking for Jesus to come. Do we live our way... You know, here's what I'm saying. I think I shared this with you probably a month ago or so ago. God, God spoke to me and said to me, George, why do you want me to come back? 
Is it because you're beginning to feel uncomfortable with where you're living? Or because you want me? So we've got to ask ourselves that question. We're, we're beginning to feel uncomfortable, aren't we? And so we, and you hear people say, well, Jesus is coming back because we're uncomfortable. Wrong motive for him coming back. The proper motive is Jesus. We want Jesus. Not our comfort, but Jesus. Okay, let's, let's go on. In hope we look to the coming of the new heavens and the new earth. Verse 13, in hope we look to the coming of the new heaven to the new earth. Look at the conclusion, 14 through 18. Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace without spot and blameless. Consider that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, as also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, has written to you, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things in which are some hard things to understand, which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction, as they do also the rest of the Scriptures. You therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware lest you also fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with the error of the wicked. But grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. Amen. First of all, we've got to be prepared. Live in such a way that you will be found blameless when the Lord returns. Boy, what a motivation, huh? Live in such a way that when Jesus comes back, you don't need to be ashamed of anything. How many of you, how many of you were raised like this, that it was instilled in you by your parents that you needed to behave a certain way because if you did not behave a certain way, it was going to reflect upon who? The family. And so there were certain things that you didn't do because you didn't, you knew that if you did those things, it was going to reflect upon your family name and there was going to be a cost to be paid for acting that way. How many of you, how many of you had that, that was your background? A lot of us here. I see smiles, I see grimaces, remembering something, you know, and, and you remember that, right? Here's what we're saying. Just like you were raised that way, you and I need to be raised that way to live right now in reference to our Christian family, to the name of Christ, to live in such a way that you're not going to bring ill repute to the name of Jesus. So that when He comes back, you're going to be found blameless before Him. Alright, here's the other point. The patience of God allows for the salvation of others. Again, you've got to remember that. The patience of God allows for the salvation of others. And then finally, here's the written testimony. This is the testimony of Scripture, including the works of Paul. This is the testimony of Scripture, including the works of Paul. And notice something. Peter is affirming the Scripture that Paul wrote, the epistles that Paul wrote, and says, even though some of them are hard to understand, these are the things that Paul is testifying to. Alright, so then he goes on then and he gives a warning. Verse 17 is a warning. We must be on guard against anything that would lead us astray. You've got to be on guard. Can I be honest with you? Let me just stop for a moment. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit this subject. And I'm not telling you to not watch TV, but you've got to be careful watching TV. Some of us, we turn our minds off when we turn the TV on. Just going to be honest with you. You turn your minds off when you watch TV. 
It just happens. And what happens is, is that your mind doesn't literally turn off, but your guard is let down. Your guard is let down, and you allow things to come into your mind that should not be coming into your mind, and that what then happens is it what? Affects you. And what happens is, is you let your guard down, and then somebody starts questioning the Bible, or starts questioning Jesus, or questioning all this other stuff, and people are thrown for a loop. So for instance, just a couple of years ago, Dan Brown came out with a book called The Da Vinci Code. How many of you heard about The Da Vinci Code? Then it was a movie. And, and, and when that came out, a lot of people were ready to chuck their Christian faith because of Dan Brown. It's interesting, isn't it? Just read something here the other day. A guy said he watched the movie, and it's the only movie that makes you dumber than when you walked in. So here's the point. You're letting your guard down. You've got to be on guard with everything in your life. This radio. Some of you love country western. Wonderful. But you've got to be on guard to what you hear in country western. Some of you love rock. Great. You've got to watch what you're listening to. Because you've got to be on guard. It's going to affect you. So we must be on guard to anything that would lead us astray. Now let's go on then. Here's the encouragement. We are to grow in grace and in our relationship with Jesus Christ. You and I are to... This has got to be the aim in your life. How am I doing, Lord? Am I growing? Because you're either, if you're not going forward, you're going what? Backwards. How am I doing, Lord? Am I going forward or am I going backwards? And then finally, here's the conclusion. Peter gives glory to Christ forever and ever. That's the conclusion. Okay, let's close our time in prayer.